A little bit about me, uh, my background. I grew up in a family of missions. Uh, missions is not something that we did. It was just something that, that existed in our house. It was something that we, that we just breathed. My grandfather was a missionary who was killed by the Waurani tribe down in Ecuador, South America in 1956. My dad participated in missions, at least in, during my life, multiple places, multiple um, different ventures. We went over with MAF to Mali, West Africa when I was in third grade to set up a base over there. When I graduated from high school, we moved down to the jungles at the request of the Waurani tribe to live with them. But also many, many shorter trips to many places around the world between those two. And then my dad, for the last 15 years, has been working with uh, our organization called iTech. You know, when we went, were asked to live with the Waurani, it gave us a different perspective on missions. Because it allowed us to see for the first time missions from the receiver's point of view rather than the giver's, the taker's point of view. Though we were from the West, from North America, we went down to live with the Wau and, and we saw things the way that they saw things. We saw missions being done to them, not missions being done with them. My dad tells a story about one time he was walking on the trail from Palm Beach to Tonyampare. Palm Beach is where my grandfather had been killed. And he was walking with, with a couple members of the tribe. And there was a group of white people that were going the opposite direction to Palm Beach. And my dad just asked them, he said, what are you guys doing? And this lady looked at him like, who are you? You know, so often in missions, we get so focused on what we're doing that we lose sight sometimes of the mission that we've been given. Again, and you'll probably hear me say this several times, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the mission that God has given to all of us, to the church. You know, when the wow asked us to come, they, they wanted to participate in the mission. But the only thing that they had ever experienced is missions being done to them. Groups coming in and painting the church. And then painting the benches. And oftentimes, multiple groups per year would come in and do the exact same things. They wanted to learn about things like medicine and dentistry and aviation. Things that only people from the West had ever been able to do. But how would that be possible? People who are not technologically advanced. They, they didn't know how to drive, much less how to fly. How do you teach somebody in a very short amount of time with no electricity, how do you teach them to do dentistry or medicine? But you see, what we had been doing to them is we had been causing, and I'm saying the church, the, the Western church, we had been causing them to become dependent on us. They didn't want that. They wanted to participate but the only thing that we knew how to do is to go and do rather than go and teach and allow them to do for themselves. See, there was a major problem, though. When they had a need, the missionaries weren't always available to meet that need at that time. And they saw that and they realized if we are not able to go and meet the need, the needs of our own people, when they have that need... We may not have the opportunity at all. Now, many people believe that this tribe, because of my grandfather and his four friends who went in there, and then Aunt Rachel and, and all of the history that goes on there, that the whole tribe came to Christ. It's not true. About 20%, maybe a little bit less than that, are actually Christ followers today. 20%. They knew this, and they knew that the only way that they were going to be able to get the gospel to their own people is if they had a way to show that they cared. A tangible way to take the love of Christ to their own people by meeting physical needs. The people out in the jungles, they did not have access to dentistry or medicine. Transportation is very difficult. One minute in the air is an hour on the trail. And these are not trails like you and I might walk if we go to a nature park for some exercise. 
And you know what? That was the start of iTech, the Indigenous Peoples Technology and Education Center. I'm not here just to talk about iTech. As I go through, I'm going to be talking about some other organizations as well. But the heartbeat behind iTech and Teach to Transform and Empower and LIA and Southeast Christian Church Missions is about going and training and equipping indigenous Christ followers so that they can be the church to their own people. Because when the WOW saw North Americans coming in and doing the dentistry and doing the medicine and doing all these things to their people, they realized that, you know what? That's all they can do. We were limited when we went in because we didn't speak the language. We didn't know the culture. But if it was possible to go and train and train them to meet the needs of their own people, there would not be a language barrier, there would not be a cultural barrier, and there wouldn't be an issue of accessibility because they're in the jungles already. It is an important thing to partner with like-minded organizations. Um, yesterday morning had a, had a fantastic meeting with several different uh, organizations and individuals. And uh, Charlie Vitito, I think I saw Charlie come in, um, who is the missions director here at Southeast, he said that, I guess it was about 12 years ago, my dad and, and Charlie had lunch together. And a lot of times this is, this is all we have is just a question. You know, we think we have to have all the answers, but Charlie said that what my dad asked him is he said, what if it were possible to teach indigenous people how to do dentistry? Charlie is a trained dentist. What if it was possible? Well, I know many of you are doctors and dentists, and how do you teach in a very short amount of time what it took you a long time to learn? But as Charlie said yesterday, my dad didn't go any further. He didn't answer the question. He just left it there. Because then something magical happened. The Holy Spirit started working on Charlie. And started bringing up questions and bringing up, what if it were actually possible to train indigenous people to do the things that he had been going to do? In the church today, you know, there's a lot of different denominations. If we were to pull the room, we'd probably have ten, maybe more denominations represented just in this room. And denominations came about because there's this, this thing about unity and disunity. So often, we may agree on 99% of things, but we're going to focus on the 1% that we don't agree on. Isn't it true? You go to church, well, you know what, that music is not, it's not quite right. Or they use this translation of the Bible and I really like this one instead. Or they use real wine and we use grape juice. I, I think real wine in the church is just, I mean, that's wrong. Or they have individual cups and we have a joint cup. And they baptize this way and we baptize this way. And there's so many different things that, you know what? We focus on the 1% instead of focusing on the 99%. If we would lose sight. Now, don't get me wrong. There are hills that we need to die on. We don't just go and say, well, they're a Muslim and they have faith. And I'm a Christian and I have faith. So, I mean, we both have faith. So let's go work together. No. There are hills to die on. But when we're not talking about the hills that we need to die on, Jesus Christ, the one, the only Son of God who came to this planet, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross, who was buried and rose again and ascended on high, those are hills that I'm willing to die on every time. But you see, that's not what we're talking about because most of the denominations in this country, that's what they believe. But we focus on the things that divide us rather than on the things that unite us. If we're going to partner with people, other people are going to do things a little bit differently than I would choose to do them. But the mission wasn't given to me, it was given to us. 
And if we are working to accomplish the mission that God has given us, then it really doesn't matter if it's done my way or your way, as long as it accomplishes the mission that we've been given. When we begin to focus less on the things that divide us and more on the things that unite us, just a few of those things, one God, one Savior, one body, and one mission, it's all the same. If we were to focus on those things, one Holy Spirit that is inside of us, if we focus on those things, then you know what? The other things begin to fade away. And we begin to say, well, here's where you're strong and here's where I'm strong. And the areas where you're strong, you know what? I'm just not very good at that. And we begin to work together. And as we begin to work together, there's a synergy that happens. But now, together, we're stronger than the sum of all of our individual parts. There is no limit to what we can accomplish if we don't care who gets the credit. You know, and I think that's sometimes one of the things that divides us. The mission organizations that you see on the, on the two floors behind us, you know what? They all have, they're all, or most likely are all, nonprofit organizations. Now, I think there's a thought process in nonprofit organizations, of which iTech is one, that we need to take the credit for everything we can possibly take credit for. Because if, if we don't take the credit for it, then our donors might think that we're not really doing anything. And then we're going to lose our support. And if I send somebody to teach to transform, or I send somebody to empower, well, then we're going to lose the support or the control that we have. And that, were, that would be true if we got our support from people. But you see, we get our support as God causes His people to give. And if God is really the one, if our Lord is saying to, to whoever it is, support iTech or support Teach Transform or support Empower or support LIA or support Fame or support... If God is the one who is telling us to give, won't He be faithful to continue that until He wants us to move on and do something else? We need to focus on the things that unite us, not on the things... Then divide us. We also, if we're going to partner together, we need to partner with organizations with people who are willing to empower rather than enable. Empower rather than enable. Most mission efforts over the last hundred years have been on going and doing for people what not only they could but should be doing for themselves. In the mission's dilemma, there's a, a gentleman who's on there who says, you know what, before we got there, people were building buildings. After we left, people were building buildings. But while our team was there, we were the only ones that thought we knew how to build buildings. And if we take that into medical missions, if we take that into dental missions, if we take that just into missions in general, isn't that true? That while we're there, we think that we can do so much better than people on the field can do. But are we willing to empower rather than enable? I want to show you a, a short video here. This is uh, actually took place in this room a year ago. My dad came and uh, and uh, did a uh, did a session, and there was one piece, and I just want you to. Th- Put your missions cap, your missions goggles on as you watch this. I think it'll be very clear. It's just about a three-minute clip. Watch this and see if it doesn't challenge you. I want you to know that this last year and a half has been a chapter that I never anticipated having. But every time that I've been flying an experimental aircraft or doing something that was pretty out of the ordinary. I had a t-shirt that said, at any cost on it. 
it was a, a group of young people that went around telling the story of my dad and his four friends and how they were killed. And it, their, the name of their program was At Any Cost. And uh, so I would put that on and say, you know, Steve Saint, there is a cost. Now I want to tell you that I see things very differently. But I still say, let's let God write our story. And if hard chapters come, let's just trust that he will write it into his epic story one way or another. Okay? Now I'm going to... Would you help me up there? I'm going to go up here where I can... Okay, that's good. Thank you. That's good. I'm just going to sit down here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can do this. You got it? I can do this. You know... This is like missions. Whenever something happens that we don't expect, we we North Americans always want to want to run in and fix it. <laughs> and sometimes, what we need to do is we need to just wait and give the people there a chance. I can do this. I can do this. No, I can I can do this. I just need a chance. I'm good. I didn't know if that was going to work or not. (laughs) He had practiced that all day. But, you know, he said something there. He said, I can do this if you just give me a chance. And, you know, I think that's what people around the world would tell us. Many of the people who are here at this conference would say, you know, we can do this if you would just give us a chance. But so often when we see something that goes just a little bit wrong, we rush in because we can do it better and faster. And you know what? Those four men who ran up, they could have gotten my dad in that seat much faster than he could alone. But what happens when they leave and they're not there? He knew that empowering somebody, man, if we would just give them a chance, they can do it. Rather than going and doing for them, why don't we partner together, taking the skills that we have and they bring the skills that they have and we go and we work together to accomplish the mission that we have been given. At GMHC Africa in September, I was asked to um, to give a talk, and I talked about missions being a relay race. It was titled, The Journey to Empowerment. You know what? Missions, though, it is a relay race. And those of us who have skills that, that other countries need, we need to go and be willing to run that first lap. But we need to be willing also as we run that lap to have people coming alongside of us who have never run before. So that at the end of that lap, we can hand the baton off to them, empowering them to go and do the things that we had been training them to do. But they shouldn't be running alone either. They need to be bringing people alongside of them so that when they run their lap, they're also able to hand it off and to continue this. 
we're willing to go and do, and we spend billions of dollars every year going and doing for people what they can and they should be doing for themselves. You may be sitting here saying, there's no way. I'm a dentist. I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. I'm a PA. I, there's no way that I can train. You know what? There are tools that are necessary and there's training systems that need to be designed and invented, but it is possible. But it requires us to have the right perspective. It has to be a long-term perspective, not a short-term perspective. The mission is huge. It's bigger than what any one of us or any one organization can accomplish. But working together, it is possible. As we empower people and they go and they continue the mission, it's a multiplying effort. It's called discipleship. We find that in Matthew chapter 28. We also see that in 2 Timothy 2.2 where we need to find faithful men and women who are, who are not only capable of learning but who are also capable of passing those things that they've learned along to other people in that relay race of missions. You know, as we talk about partnering, there's really two ways to look at partnering. One is with other like-minded organizations here, and then organizations uh, and churches there, wherever there may be. We do need to partner with local churches. This is not something that we go and we give to an individual. It's something that we go and we work with the church to accomplish. Because the church is the organism that Christ gave us to accomplish the mission that he's given us. I want to share just a, a couple of short stories. I do want to have time for some questions. Um, this past summer in Haiti, um, let me back up. In February, we had a, a guy that we know bring a pastor from the very southwest, very rural, mountainous area of Haiti come to ITEC. And Pastor Joas came and he said, he said, we ha- have seen the need for medicine. He said, in fact, we built a a medical clinic. They were two hours beyond the nearest hospital. And two hours in a four-wheel drive vehicle on roads that really are not roads. It's just um, very difficult. I said, okay, well, what does this look like? We prayed about it and we decided we would go. We talked about, we talked to them, who's going to be training. We only wanted to train mature Christ followers, pastors and church leaders, because they are the ones who understand the commission that we've been given. We went and we trained 21 pastors and church leaders on our IMED curriculum. To see how they went about, we did two day, or two days of classroom training before we began seeing real patients. Then we did three days of clinics, followed by another day of training, followed by two more days of clinics. And I go along on these trips, and I don't do a whole lot for most of the trip until the end. A little bit at the beginning and, and a little bit more at the end, because at the end, it's so difficult. If you're a medical professional, you are trained, man. If there's a crisis, you jump in and you handle it. The second to the last day of training in Haiti one of the nurses that had come along on our team had been recruited by Pastor Joas to come over and help him diagnose a problem. There was a gentleman who um, had tried Tylenol and ibuprofen and, and it was not working. He was having some, some difficulties and, and Joas didn't know what to do. And so he called Bob over and he said, Bob, you help me. And I saw Bob, I didn't know at the beginning, but I saw Bob at the pharmacy table. I said, Bob, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm working with Joas. I said, well, why? Well, he's the pastor and he told me to come over here and help him. So that's what I'm doing. I said, you can't. He said, put the medicine down and step away. He said, well, I can't tell him that. I said, no problem. That's why I'm there. So when I said, Joas, I said, in two days we're going to be gone. Bob's not going to be here. Why don't you call over one of your teammates... And see if you can figure out the problem. And so he called a young man over, probably 30 years old. I can say that because I'm older than that now. 
Um, he called him over, and this guy had just been sharp from the from the get go. And in about ten minutes, they could not figure out what course to take, and so they came to me and they said, "We can't figure it out." I said, "Have you have you asked Rosalind at the pharmacy table?" No, I said, "Well, she's part of your team." So they went, and do you know what? In just a couple minutes of talking with her, because she had been dealing with all of the cases, because they were coming and explaining what was going on, and so she was the one giving out the medication. And you know what? In less than five minutes, I saw them going to the same medication that Bob had been getting out. And Bob came I was went over next to Bob. I said, Bob, that's the same one, isn't it? He said, yeah, it is. They were able to figure it out without our intervention. The, the last day that we were there, as soon, we let them start the clinic by themselves. They had to be up and running before we would even show up. We didn't see a patient. All we did is we were figuring out, okay, what are we going to leave? What do we need to take back? And uh, a nurse who's with us, Heather, and if you come by the booth, you can talk to Heather and you can ask her and verify that what I'm telling you is true. It was Pastor Joaz again who, as soon as Heather walked in, he came over to have her diagnose a problem. And she started asking the question. I said, Heather, you can't, you can't get involved. And she says, well, I mean, like, why not? And you can just tell because she's a nurse. She wants, to, she wants to help. I said, because you're not here tomorrow. Pastor Joaz is and the rest of his team is, but you're not. And I could tell that it was difficult for her to step back, but it was also necessary. And you know what? They figured it out. Working together. I just got back on Sunday from two weeks in Mozambique. We went to train our dental curriculum. We trained five pastors and church leaders on how to do this. Now, we were just north of the border of South Africa. And they work with a lot of people out in the bush. Uh, five to, to six hours to get about 15 miles is what we're talking. And you know what? You, there were three out of the five that stood out just right away. And after two weeks, they had seen, um, yeah, I think the three had seen over 70 patients extracting teeth safely, anesthesia, giving all, doing everything safely, our training dentist that went with us on that trip, as well as a, uh, a general surgeon, they were staying for an additional two weeks to ensure that they saw the number of patients so that they could be officially certified and credentialed by ITEC to go do this. We had a government official who, who participated or watched during the first two days of training, and then he opened up his clinic for the first day we went out to do clinics in the bush. We're not trying to do this around the government. We actually invite them to come in and look. We want their their uh, approval. And in Mozambique, we were able to get that. I can go on and tell you story after story. Back in 2004, um, Charlie Vitado and my dad and, and some others went over to Ghana, West Africa, and trained five pastors how to do the dental training. As of February, just coming up two years ago, they had seen and documented over 43,000 patients without a single negative incident. 43,000. And in fact, the one government dentist, who I understand is a part-time government dentist in that area, when he ran into problems, he sent them to the pastors rather than doing them himself. Now, excuse me. I'm not here because we have all the answers at iTech. In fact, chances are we have more questions than we have answers. This isn't about iTech. It's about the mission that we've been given to make disciples everywhere. We partner with other organizations. I mentioned some of them, and here they are again. Empower, Teach to Transform, LIA, Southeast Christian Church, Renew World Outreach. We had a meeting with some other ones like FAME and Reaching and Teaching and Hope International yesterday. Because it's not about the organization I work for. It's not about us. 
It's about the mission we've been given. When people come by our booth and they say, hey, we want you to come in and train us on how to do dentistry or train us on how to do medicine. Do you know what we do? We talk to them about that. We give them some brochures. We begin the conversation and then we say, you know what? Let me tell you about some organizations that you also need to go see. Because it is just possible that if they want dental training, it's just possible that Empower may be better suited for that than we are. Or if they want medical training, it just might be that Teach to Transform is better suited. They may even already be working in that area. Are we trying to avoid going and training? No, absolutely. It's the opposite. But the world is a very big place. The need is great. It's greater than any one of these organizations that even all of these organizations put together can accomplish. But here's one one of the challenges this morning. If you are willing to get out there and willing to do missions just a little bit differently than maybe you've done them in the past, let me encourage you, come by our booth, stop by and see Teach to Transform, stop by and see Empower and Fame and Reaching and Teaching, stop by and see these organizations. And if you lose track of some of those names, come and ask us at our booth and we'll be happy to tell you. Because it's not about us. It's about Christ. Again, when we don't care who gets the credit, there's no limit to what we can accomplish. When we don't care who gets the credit, there's no limit to what we can accomplish. We are the body of Christ. We're a team. Now on any team, there's going to be people or individuals or organizations on that team that have a, a more of a headline role. But you know what? The team is only as strong as the weakest team member. I like sports quite a bit. You know, one of the things, I don't really like the Spurs, but one thing that I do admire about the Spurs, they do have some superstars, but Tim Duncan is, I mean, he's older than I am. He's old. But the thing that they do better than any other team is they play as a team. They play as a team. It was kind of fun watching them beat LeBron James and all his guys over in Miami last year just by playing as a team. Where one team has three superstars, the other team, they, they do have some, some main players, but they play better as a team. And missions is about the body of Christ. It's about a team. The team functions the best when we're all focused on the one mission that we've been given, which is to make disciples of Christ. You know, maybe, just maybe it's time that you and I begin to think differently. I'm going to give you just some questions. Again, I told you that we probably have more questions than we have answers for those questions. Now, when we open it up to questions, please give it, you know, do give us your questions. But let me just go through a, a few questions and then maybe give you a few opportunities. Are we helping or hurting? These are questions that we need to ask as we begin or as we continue to participate in missions. We need to really take an objective look, take a step back, maybe even ask some other people and say, be honest with me, are we helping or are we hurting? A website that we just started, missionsdilemma.com, Brian Fickard was here last year, did a plenary session on, uh, on this, and then he did some interviews with us and there's on this website, there's four interviews. The fourth one that we just released this morning with Brian Fickert, the co-author of When Helping Hurts. Some other books that you may be interested in reading. One is called The Great Omission. It's very similar to When Helping Hurts. Another one is Toxic Charity. <laughs> I just read that uh, on this trip to Mozambique. It has a lot of good things in that as well. Are we creating dependency when we go and do missions? Are we empowering or enabling? Are we doing God's will, God's way, or are we just doing missions the way we've always done it because that's the way we've always done it?
a few more that are not going to be on the screen. Are we thinking long term or short term? Are there ways to partner with indigenous Christ followers that we have not thought of yet? Are there organizations that are like-minded that you can partner with to accomplish more than you can do alone? Are there organizations that are like-minded that you can partner with to accomplish more than you can do alone? Maybe where you are right now, you need to get a vision, a new vision for missions being done in a culturally sensitive, biblically correct way with the indigenous Christ followers in the driver's seat. Let me give you a way to do that. It's called the Wow Vision Trip. You don't go and do anything. You go and you live with the Waodani down in the, on the edge of the Amazon rainforest. Learning from them. And you know what happens? We have a discussion that we go through and you begin to see missions from a receiver's point of view rather than just a giver's point of view. And there's some wonderful things that happen when you get that mindset. There's information in our booth, which is all, all the way in this back far corner upstairs. Maybe you're a, a dentist or a doctor or a physician or a dental hygienist or a, a nurse or a paramedic EMT. Maybe what you need to do is you need to participate in a training trip, whether it's with iTech or whether it was, it's with uh, Teach to Transform or Fame or Empower. Maybe what you need to do is you need to go and participate as you experience a different mindset for missions. Let me encourage you in this. There's a series that, that we did featuring people from around the world called Missions Dilemma. If you have not been through this series, it's a seven-part DVD series that goes along with the Great Omission. If you have not done this, if you have not been through it, you need to. It is the heartbeat of iTech. It is also the heartbeat of Teach to Transform and Empower and other organizations. It's people from around the world telling us, as the North American Church or the Church from the West, how we've been doing missions to them. It's not very pretty. But it's something that if we want to do missions God's way and not our way, then what we need to do is we need to, we need to find out what people from around the world are saying. The missionsdilemma.com website is a way that we have to continue the dialogue, to continue the conversation. We don't have all the answers. There's a lot of organizations around the country that are changing their mindset from going and doing to going and training others to do. And missionsdilemma.com allows us to take those different blogs, take those different ideas, and post them at one place to keep the conversation going. Partnerships. Why we shouldn't do it alone. You know what? It's because our gifts are different. But the body functions the best when the body is complete using all the gifts that God has given all of us together to accomplish his mission we have to leave our egos at the door knowing that God is bigger than our donor base saying God I'm willing to do your will your way you write the story and if that means that we need to take a back seat we're willing to take a back seat if that means that we don't get any credibility that's okay because this isn't about us it's about you are you willing to go on that journey It's a journey from enabling to empowerment. It's about partnerships. Is that easy? No, it's easier said than done. But because our perspective is moving from short term to long term, it is possible. Looks like we have about 10 or 12 minutes, I think. So questions from you. Yes, ma'am. Great question. How do we how do we deal with the issue of sustainability? Great question. What we do, all of our tools are designed to be self sustaining. One of the first things that we do is we work with our partner in whatever country we're going to 
to find out what supplies are locally reproducible. If they're locally reproducible, that's what we're going to use. Because they can get them in country. We figure out and work with them to figure out what it costs per patient for the necessary medication or, or what have you. And then we work that in. Now, some people may not be able to pay money. But in one area, they may be able to give a goat. Or together, several people may be able to give a chicken or a goat or a whatever, potatoes. And so what, but what that does, that goes to the church. Then the church is able to sell those or is able to use those instead of, um, instead of money. Great question. It needs to be self-sustaining. Otherwise, all we've done is created a new, new uh, arm of dependency. Great question. Thank you. Wow, it was just such a good presentation. No more questions. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about what, like, how do we work when there's already existing medical or dental facilities? Another very good question. We don't. If there, if there's already care, we don't focus on that area. We focus on areas that are rural where there is no doctor, there is no dentist, there is no nurse. In one area where we're uh, looking, we're working with an organization to go right now, they have a medical clinic that is staffed by one person who is non-medical. A secretary. That is the only person who, but they, the government built this medical clinic the problem is it's a couple hundred miles to get to the nearest actual medical clinic where there is care. And so we go into those types of areas, whether there is a medical clinic or not, but it's not staffed. Where there is no care, that's where we focus. Now, we may train in an area where there is medical care, but all the clinics are done outside of that area. And we're also dealing with mature Christ followers, and we tell them from the get-go, this is not so that you can go and hang a shingle next to the guy who you know, did the, whatever training that country offers. That's not the point. The point is going out to the, to the areas where there is no care and working with people there. Great question. Right. That is a, that is a region of about 3 million people with one part-time government dentist. I'm not a dentist. Um, I don't think there is a dentist that can treat 3 million people. So, essentially, there is no care. Right. Yeah, very good. Essentially, let me let me summarize. You you guys went to Uganda. Um, at the end of the trip, for you spent a day. You saw three hundred because your wife is a nurse. You saw three hundred people, and uh, okay. Um, so provided medical service to three hundred people for one day, but in the big scheme of things, the question you said, what did you really accomplish? Um, down in the jungles, and I'll try to make this brief, down in the jungles when a dentist would come in, people from surrounding villages would hear about that and go. And one of the comments that we heard is because the dentist was packing up, people who did were not able to receive treatment said that our teeth now hurt more because their teeth don't hurt anymore. 
And so oftentimes what we're doing is, you know, when we train indigenous people, they take longer than professionals here take. But they live there. And so while the, the line may be shorter each day, they are able to see everybody over the course of, of the year or what have you. There's a question somewhere. Yes, ma'am. If what now? Okay. What do we do if our partners have a different vision? Well, partners with different vision aren't really partners. Hmm. Right. Um, probably that would be a question that we would need to we would need to ask more questions about, and um, and get into a little bit longer dialogue about. So if you want to come by the booth, um, or stop by and talk to Tom, raise your hand, Tom, or talk to Tim here. Um, some of the some of the folks. We let's let's start a dialogue about that. Yes. All right, great question. Um, how do we go about it, choosing our partners? Really, really good question. Um, one of the things that we do is we never work directly with a an indigenous church. We always need an intermediary who will vet that they are credible and that they're doing they're they're doing the mission. Um, because there may be two churches in an area. One um, looks like they have all the lingo, but really it's the other one that's really making a difference in the community. So we work with intermediary organizations like a church here in the U.S. or a group that is um, that is overseas that we can work through. We never we get a lot of requests, but we never work with a, a direct indigenous partner because we really don't know if they're credible or not. Then when it comes to actually the, the people who participate in the training, we allow the church. We ask them. They are the ones that know their people. We ask them to select the individuals for the actual training does that, does that answer your question? It, it, it's different all the time. Um, in Kenya, we have a group called Global Disciples Kenya. They have people on the ground who can go and they can do that. You know, hey, let's watch them. Or they have a lot of church contacts there that they can they can get church references from. Um, so it's an intermediary organization. We also there are churches here who have relationship, long-term relationship with some people overseas, and then we use use that route. So it's it's something that um, there's not a set formula. Um, it's more of a okay, Lord, you lead and you guide, give us wisdom and discernment, um, and you can talk about the discernment to uh, to um, Tom, um, who talked about that. Wednesday night at his conference. It, it is a challenge. Um, we want to be very diligent. We want to be, you know, in obedience with Christ. And, you know, when we when we ask him to provide us the, those directions and show us where he wants us to go, he's always been faithful to do that. Yes. When we have people that are what? <laughs> okay. How do we partner with people um, in an area where there is no church, where it's mostly Muslim or, or other religions, there are no or few, if any, Christians? How do we go about partnering there? What we do is we work with the church from outside who may be interested in sending a couple people into that region um, when they already have the vision, but they just don't know how to go in and do it because they don't have any way. You know, people aren't going to listen to them unless they're able to have something to show the people that they care. Then we work with those people to empower them so that then they are trained. And normally 
we always we do two or three person teams. That way, it's not one person going in alone. It's a couple people going in, and uh, which is how Christ did it as well. But that's how that's how we would work that. Yes. How do we focus on the kingdom while also focusing on the on the skill that we're giving them? That's why we work with mature Christ followers. Because mature Christ followers, they realize that the mission is the main thing. And we do continue to tell them, this is not about solving everybody's medical or dental problems. That's not the issue. But people don't care about, about what you know until they know that you care. But once they know that you care, by meeting them where they hurt, then... They, they will listen to other things that you have to say. Um, in India, well, we, we had two pastors at each, at each um, uh, portable dental chair. And what they did is one was the main um, treating dental technician. The other one was the assistant. And then they would switch roles. The assistant was sharing the gospel while the dentist, dental technician, was doing the work. And the great thing about that is that the person in the chair, all they could do is listen. They couldn't talk back. One more question. Yes, right here. Okay. One encouragement could um, could I give to somebody who? is working in an area that it's been primarily enabling, but they're wanting to move to empowering, um, and they're, but they are trying to move to empowering, right? Um, never quit. Don't quit. Um, it is a, it's a difficult thing. It is not an easy mindset to change. Uh, but you know what? Over the last decade or so, people have changed. Um, was talking to to one guy yesterday morning where that's that's what they're trying to do as an organization. You have to be willing. You have to be willing to let people go, to you know who have partnered with you in the past, if they can't catch that same vision, and that will happen. There will be disappointment. There and it's gut wrenching and it's you know breaks your heart and all of those things. But you know what? We're not here for. We're not here to make people happy. We're here to make Christ happy. And when we do his mission his way, then he'll bring other people who are like-minded alongside of us. But mainly, never quit. Know that there are other organizations that are on the same track, um, who are going in the same way. I think some of the things is getting material that you can read and watch on a regular basis, like when Helping Hurts, Toxic Charity, The Great Omission, Missions Dilemma, things like that. Um, that you can just, on a regular basis, be encouraged. I'm not alone. There's other people out there. We're going to just keep on the trail that we've been given. All right. Thank you very much. If you do have further questions, I'm happy to talk to you here at our booth. Thanks for coming.